Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is a Bird 6 365 morning here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And every morning is a Bird 3. Well, not every morning. We don't work weekends. We work a damn lot of days for you. And I'll, I'll make a point at the start of the show to let you know how much we care about you guys. Uh, yours truly, Johnny McDonald, with my partner, John McMullen. How are you this morning, Johnny Mac? Uh, I am here, so, you know, that's, that's positive. We're all very, day to day. Very good way to start the show. Uh, every <laughs> morning I get up, uh, get ready, get some breakfast, usually a bowl of cereal and coffee, and I flip on the TV while writing down some notes for the upcoming Birds 365 show, and I throw the TV on. I throw the TV on today, Sportsnet Central on NBC Sports Philly. Usually they've got at least one eagle note in there, either uh, Barrett or uh, Ruben Frank and Dave Zingaro doing a little drop-in with their uh, podcast or, or something along those Today's episode was yesterday's episode. They, they re-aired the Sunday night into Monday Ooh. morning episode. And here's Temple against Cincinnati on Sunday. Uh, excuse me? Hello? It's Tuesday. So I got absolutely nothing from them. All right, so let's put on uh, Good Morning Football, which they don't start till 7 a.m., but at least uh, by uh, 7 o'clock, you flip it over, see if anything uh, breaking news in the NFL. Oh, re-airing of games in the National Football League. Now, that was the case yesterday and again today, which means Good Morning Football is probably out this entire week, which is quasi-understandable. They'll be back next week, combine, big week, blah, blah, blah. So if you're going to take a week off, this would be the week to do it, but... Hey, the Birds 365 guys are here for you live. We're not yeah, taking man. any downtime. Oh, yeah, that's that's a bad job. I, You know, I like so many people at NBC Sports Philadelphia, but come on, you're playing repeats of, of new sports? There's stuff going That's an insult to the college basketballs of the world and, and all the oh, – oh, wanna... oh, by the way, the Flyers played a matinee the game Flyers. yesterday on their air – and they're going now, back yeah. to show you the preview of the game that's already been played this morning. Now, the NBA obviously had their All-Star weekend, so that makes it even more difficult because you don't have NFL, you don't have NBA. But come on. I mean, if you're a sports show and you're covering sports as a whole, you got to be there. You yeah. got to be there. We're always here at Birds 365. Well, we took a week off, but, you know. Uh, and it was two half a weeks rather than one full week. So we kind of yeah. broke it up for you around the Super Bowl. But glad to be here. Well, we you still guys. got the YouTube channel. So it's still 24-7. It's still 365. Yeah. And like, share, and subscribe. There, I got it in there. Thank you very much for that. Uh, got to keep that algorithm growing. Uh, yes, we are the Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. Hanging with you. We'll give you two hours of football <clears> conversation <throat> today. Uh, Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com. Fill in for Johnny Mac when he has to be COVID tested. Which, by the way, uh, when was the last time you took a COVID test? Long time ago. Dude, the last one during the regular season. I mean, long time ago. Are you kidding yeah. me? Well, I've by the way, I was thinking about COVID test compared I, I, to me. I, you had one like twenty minutes ago. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about it, and I'm saying, 
you know, when I got a cold, I'm like, well, should I take a test? Should I? I'm like, why am I taking a test? Who cares? What? I mean, what? What? I, I've never understood. Okay. I know. But what? I'm, I got to do the same things anyway. So um, now if I had to go somewhere, I had to go to a game. You have to take the test. I, you know, you, there's, there's a means to the end. Um, but, you know, if I got a cold now, I'm like, oh, I, I don't. I I hope I don't have it, but I don't really need to know that badly, do I? Mm, I don't know. No, do I. That's why I haven't needed to take a COVID test because I I go to my computer to talk to you every single day. Yeah. Or I hop on my other set of headsets. Now, if I had to see you in the studio, I probably would have gotten one because then I said, uh, then I would have said, well, I don't want to get Jody sick. I'm a I'm a decent human being, but I'm 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 in I'm in my room by myself. Well, you know, what, 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 who cares? I actually did go out yesterday to, to lose money. Uh, I made money over the weekend betting on a couple of horse races. So I had tickets to cash. So ah, let me see how this, let me, I handicapped a race at the fairground. Yeah, I couldn't pick my nose. Uh, but I did actually get out yesterday. So maybe I should get a COVID test. Uh, but not right now. We've got two hours. It's interestingly, of when I leave the house, Jody, I always lose money. At least you have a chance to win some money. If I leave the house, I'm spending money somewhere, so I'm That's losing money. the way I look at it. Yeah. I've tried to explain it to my wife. She goes, you lost again? I said, yeah, but there was the chance I was going to win. <laughs> when you spend the year, there's never the chance of an addition to the bank account. No. Only subtractions. No. Uh, I've, I've used that line of logic. Yeah. Thank you for seconding my emotion there, John McMullen. All right, uh, speaking of going <laughs> somewhere, during your illustrious football scribe career, have you ever covered the combine? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been to probably four or five total. Um, I haven't been there recently in the past few years. Um, yeah, it used to be, kind of mentioned it, uh, I think, yesterday on the show. It used to be a lot more uh, laid back, and you could get a lot more out of it now that they've turned it into another Big event. I don't know if you want to call it big event, but it's a big part of the the NFL calendar, and people pay attention to it. Now we see this jockeying back and forth, and I pretty that was real quick. I, I got that one right, Jody. Oh, yeah. I said they were shutting that down pretty quick because there's no way they weren't going to have it because now it's become this, you know, big part of the calendar, and they need the players there, and they need the the TV product, and they need everything else. And sure enough, the bubble has burst so to speak. And it was, it, it was the goopiest thing. I, I don't know how, especially after the way they ended the regular season and they pretty much said, all right, we're done with COVID. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden they're going to, they're going to reverse course. And the NFL kind of threw the national football scouting, which runs the combine. As I said, technically the NFL doesn't run the combine, right? but they've run the combine. And, you know, they threw who they had to under the bus, and now everything's copacetic. That's the thing that probably bothered me more than the NFL's deceptive stances on what they were attempting to accomplish by keeping the combine in a bubble to protect the players. 
uh, you and I both uh, noted yesterday, it was a control thing more than a safety thing. They want to keep the players to themselves so they can uh, specifically ask some questions that they might not be able to get those same kind of answers if the players are constantly in contact with their coaches and their agents and uh, their physical therapy guys to help prep them for the stuff that they're doing. Yeah, they, they tried to play big brother and kudos to the agent groups that stepped up and threatened to keep uh, almost half the combine out of participating. Yeah. Both sides tried to flex a little bit and guess what? The agents won the flex because they said, we'll boycott the damn thing. You want our players there? You got to have to lighten your restrictions. And that's exactly what they did. So good for them, which even into itself was a little weird because it's the NFL PA taking a stance and, these aren't NFL players yet. They they don't really have standing to be taking a stance like this. But damn, if they yeah. didn't make it work. Well, I don't they... think it was. Yeah, it was right. You're right. It was the agents, which I don't know, by the way, is necessarily a good thing either. Because I envision, um, you know, the last thing you want is an NBA like setup and power shift to where the players. Now, some people would say that's how it should be. I don't think that's how it should be. And I think you've seen it in the NBA. Um, you know, there's unintended consequences to that. You, you know, the best case of the world is everybody's a partner and everybody shares relatively equally and everybody's happy. But we know absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's the old saying. And and doesn't matter. It's two sides of the coin, uh, you know. If agents are in control, too much control like they are in the NBA, it's it's a bad thing. Um, you know, if the owners are too much in control, it's a bad thing. So you want to find that nice middle ground. But I got to tell you, I'd rather have the NFL set up than the NBA set up. That's just me. So, and, oh, you know, by the people... way, that middle ground is sometimes very difficult to achieve. We're yeah. seeing that right now. In Major League Baseball, they do not have a collective bargaining agreement, and there's they've already pushed back the first week of spring training. We're only six days away from baseball saying, yeah, guess what? We're going to have to refigure our schedule. We're going to have to cancel games at the start of the season. It's really easy for John McMullen, John McDonald, anybody else to sit yeah. here and go, oh, you need that perfect bounce. Yeah, but you can't get that perfect bounce because each yeah. side is trying to pull the rope just a little bit more their way, so they have a little bit more power, and if you don't have a collective bargaining agreement in place, you're not going to get any. And let me, because I'm going to get in trouble. Let me, let me clarify my stance. I'm talking about the health of the game, the game on the field. I think it's, it's, you know, the NFL setup is better than the NBA or major league baseball setup. And, and that's part of the reason for the success of that league. Now, you know, Again, you could argue workers' rights and all that stuff, and I get all that, but I'm just talking about the health of a particular game. And look, I mean, you know, if you want to boil it down into a, a, an example, Aaron Rodgers had tremendous power in, in, in Green Bay over the last year. He pulled that sort of power play. He wants Randall Cobb. <laughs> really? You want to be the general manager? You know, Randall Cobb's not helping you. Maybe do your job and let other people worry about their jobs, but that's not the real world. It's, it's just not. And in the NBA, we, you know, it's, it's awful. The NBA, I mean, agents run the show in the NBA. They do take a lot of terms. All right. So we are now just less than a week away 
from the start of the combine in Indianapolis. The bubble has been burst. It's going to go on as scheduled. The Eagles contingent will be out there led by Howie Roseman, the general manager, who we believe to be the number one mover and shaker when it comes to player procurement, draft day, final say, all that stuff. Howie's track record on the draft is a mixed bag of tricks, some outstanding late round picks, some very uh, <coughs> mistake heavy uh, early picks in the draft. Uh, but Howie will be the guy in charge again this year. The question that seemed to pop up over the last 24, 48 hours, Johnny Mac, is will Howie Roseman be the guys making the picks in 2023? That Howie's contract ends at the end of the 2022 season. And we're uh, uh, however many weeks away from the start of the new uh, National Football League year, which is in March. So Howie will be entering the final year of his contract, which makes him, quote unquote, a lame duck general manager. I think that is one of the most overstated things in sports. How can someone possibly work on the last year of their contract? Easy. Do the work. (laughs) Well, I I don't, I'm going to disagree with you there, Jody, but there's a number of layers to this story. And I'm going to start it with this. Where did this start? Do you know, like who brought this up first? Uh, That, that Howie is on the last year. Cause I don't know. I'm being, Are you suggesting it's not a reasonable conversation? No, it's a reasonable conversation. I just, I wouldn't be so sure that Howie's on the last year of his contract. Now he was, you know, I know where they're getting it from. And again, I don't even know where it popped up. And that when Doug Peterson got his extension, which was, uh, I believe 2018. uh, I, you know, they aligned Howie and Doug together which would have ran out at the end of 2022. My only point is, and by the way, now that it's out there, I'll ask the question if we ever get to talk to Jeffrey Lurie at some point. Now we'll talk out there and they'll probably ask it. Unfortunately, I won't be there. And they'll probably clear it up by then. They might have already aligned the contracts. Typically, you want to align the general manager with the head coach. So when Nick Sirianni got his job, they they might have already aligned the contract. I don't know because GMs, I'm being honest, it's not as public knowledge as uh, in front office people. The contracts are not as public knowledge as, and especially when you're talking about extensions. Now, when a guy gets hired, people will automatically ask the question, well, is it four years, is it five years, something of that nature. <clears throat> so, excuse me. So, If people are excited about this being a lame duck year for Howie Roseman, two things with that. One, it might not be already. Two, it won't be come September. The Eagles will have already uh, likely extended him and allotted things and and shifted things to where he's he's married with Nick Sirianni. Um, Let me me interrupt and ask you a question. Um, You just said September. If they've been talking, maybe you already come to a resolution, what would be the line of thinking behind when they would announce that Howie Roseman is staying in place? Why September? Uh, is there a different date that they would, if they're the ones who are calling a shot on this, what they surely should be, as far as information being released, what would be the time frame behind the Eagles thing? <clears throat> well, I, I, number one, I don't know if they would announce it. And I use this as an example. When, when, when Howie Roseman came back from exile, 
as I like to call it, which was exile just to the other end of the building, exile from the football operations standpoint. You'll remember, well, people may not remember because it's Jeffrey Glory and it's kind of dry at times, but um, he, he sort of brought Howie back and, you know, wouldn't be emphatic about it because he understood it wasn't the most popular move in the world. It wasn't the most common move in the world to essentially fire a guy and then bring him back. But it was a weird dichotomy because he didn't fire him. He gave him a raise and he gave him a better title and he just sat him over in the other side of the building and let Chip Kelly hang himself. I think it was the biggest mistake in Jeffrey Lurie's 27 years as, as the owner of the Eagles. But nonetheless, when he brought him back, he had the press conference and whatever his title was at the time, I think it was vice president of football operations, and and Jeffrey uh, sort of open-ended. We'll see how it goes. He's got to learn. He's got to work with people. He's got to be collaborative. And then all of a sudden, he let uh, inertia take over. And all of a sudden, you know, after the season, you know, you hire the new coach. Um, you have this lull that we're in now. Um, guys aren't speaking a lot. And the inertia took over. And everybody just assumed Howie was in charge because Howie was in charge. And we we're all right to assume that. But the Eagles never had to really do anything. They have to never make that concrete. And I go back to, I think it was 2019, when the Eagles shifted Howie's title again from, I think it was executive vice president of football operations. And then he had the he never had the official GM tag. They put the official GM tag back on him. Again, titles don't don't really mean that much. Job description means more. He was always the GM, but they put the the actual GM title on. They might have tweaked his deal then. I don't know. I can't tell you, Jody, uh, because you know. And I'll be the first to admit I didn't ask because I know he's not in concern of losing his job. Now, while I say all of this. Look, anything can happen in sports. But all I'm trying to say, if people think that Jeffrey Lurie is going to say, okay, we'll work, we'll see how this draft works out, and then decide if he's going to move forward with Howie Roseman. A, you can't make an assessment on this draft that quickly, no matter what happens, no matter who they pick, what they do, what they trade. That's not going to be the make or break for Howie Roseman. I think a lot of people say, well, he's got a hit on three. You're not going to know if he hits <laughs> How on the hell three. are you going to know yeah, if, if he hits exactly. exactly. Now, Howie could say, I'm tired of this. I always go back to Amazon, all or nothing. He's got the darkest tint on his car because, uh, you know, people see him in his car and scream at him and insult him, you know. Maybe he's tired of it. Maybe he wants to walk away. I don't think that's the case. He's always seemed to be a guy who could let that kind of stuff roll off his back like we were talking about yesterday with players. You know, anything can happen. But uh, what isn't going to happen is Howie Roseman GMing for his job. And I understand your sentiment that people should be able to be a lame duck in this and that. But that's an ownership mentality. Ownership doesn't want lame ducks. They don't want lame duck coaches. They don't want lame duck GMs. And if they have lame duck coaches or lame duck GMs, 
It's because they're going to fire him, and they haven't decided, they haven't had the courage of their convictions yet. And I'll argue against myself here because there is one, and this is just an opinion, and I've talked to some agents, very few over the years, but some who have absolutely told me this is, this is the case, or at least the way they look at it. When you are playing in the free agent market and you've got a high-profile guy that you're trying to get, money drives the bus 19 out of 20 times. But that one out of 20 where a couple offers are equal, mm -hmm. when agents are making decisions, advising their clients which way to go, the power structure within an organization, knowing that you can deal with a guy, you've watched how he's worked before. Is this a radical guy have a down year, turn around, cut his rear end, or a guy who is going to adhere to the cap and give you another chance? The agents like to know that. They like to be able to turn around to, well, as long as this guy's in charge, we're good. You wanted a cat deal, we're good. Year two will be good. Year three, all right, maybe. They want to know. Agents want to be able to advise their clients. And if the general manager's in a position with, yeah, I give you the deal today, but I could be gone in a couple of months, that's not something that people want to usually jump into. So that is the advantage of having a guy that you know is locked in for several different years. You and I both know, Doug Peterson be an example, you're going to have a five-year kind of doesn't mean yeah. you're going to get all five years. Yeah. But at least if you know the team is committed to that length and have to pay off their mistakes, which means they probably won't do something, the players like to know that who are free agents. So that's why I think it is a very legit story. And you mentioned how he's going to be out the combine. Uh, there will be people there. He'll have at least one media session, if not uh, multiple media sessions. It's a legit question because we're now within days of the new year starting. And if this is the final year of Howie's contract, then as per what the Eagles have announced, that's the case. If they've done a handshake deal behind the scenes with Howie Roseman and we don't know about it, maybe Howie will uh, fill in the blanks for us when he's out in Indianapolis. We'll have to wait and see. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Birds 365 guys. Howie Roseman's contract status being one of the things we're discussing today. Combine status being another. We'll get into a couple more different topics with both the Birds and around the National Football League. Hoping to get our first guest of the morning, Jeff Kerr. I see him on the board. Our uh, pal from CBSSports.com ready to join us next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. 
That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Got your Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365. Joining with Don John McMullen. We are joined by a guy who looks like he's ready to move off campus in his ocean's backdrop there. Uh, you, you slide a little to the left there, Kerr. Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports <laughs> here with us on uh, Birds 365. Jeff, been a couple of weeks. How's the offseason treating you? Um, pretty good so far. I'm not going to lie. I kind of enjoyed last week. Everybody's like, oh, I miss football. I miss football. I miss football too, but I kind of needed a little bit of a break. So, you know, it, it's been nice. Now I'm making a whole radio podcast toward actually starting to reply to some emails that I'm actually able to get to. And it was weird. Yesterday I was talking about the Chiefs, talking about the Chargers, you know, I think I'm talking about the Cardinals later this week. So it's going to be an interesting all season for sure. Cause everybody seems to have these quarterback conundrums or they're having these, how can we make the playoffs or how can we build this roster? And obviously it's the same stuff that's going on in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, well, number one, I would say, Jeff, is you're. I'm shocked you're not excited about the USFL gearing up. That's exciting stuff. I just ranked more... uniforms yesterday, McMullen. Yeah, did the, you? The Breakers. Are did the you stars. go Homer? You didn't go Homer on us, did no, you? No, no, I didn't go, go Stars home. number one. No, Stars uh, not number one. No, Breakers were one. I had the Stars too. I lo- no. I always loved the Stars unis, but I thought the classic look for them was they needed to do that. Um, I, I, I said, I think what separated them from the breakers was the breakers just went, you know what, we're not going to go, we're going to go against the green. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually make decent uniforms out of this. And the whole baby blue, dark blue with the silver helmet thing, that just seemed to work. It worked in the eighties. It worked now, but I didn't realize a lot of the teams wear red and white or red and gold. Wow, I, I'm impressed with how much you put into this. I have no idea what the New Orleans Breakers uniforms look like to this day. The stars are not the normal stars uniforms. They went different. Is that what um, you're saying? So they modernized the classic look a bit. It's They got rid of the sleeve like on the side here. Like, like They had a gold sleeve. They got rid of that or, or like a gold stripe. They kept the gold pants, but they have like 
instead of like a, a red stripe on the pants, it's like a zigzag type thing. It, it's like a modern twist on a classic look. All right. All right. As too far much, as I know, USFL, USFL yeah. stands for ultimately cynical football league because no football league works against the national football league, but good luck trying guys. Yeah. Uh, XFL's trying. Yeah. XFL got a little, uh, connection with the nfl everybody's been looking for that uh where where the xfl and the nfl are kind of marry up to test rules and things like that on in a spring which i think is good they need some they need some rules testing and the xfl was pretty innovative the 2.0 version i still say for people that watched and i know that's probably very few uh that kickoff should be adopted at all levels, the XFL kickoff. I, I, I really believe that. I would take a guess that's how this whole thing started. Like I, I think they went to Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia and said, hey, look, what ideas do you guys got? What ideas do you got in mind? And they say, hey, and, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has a good partnership with the NFL. So he probably said, you know what, here, we'll share stuff, but you got to share some stuff with us here and we'll find ways to innovate the game. I still think it's funny, though, like when I'm watching Super Bowl 56 – when they use the sky cam and they use the sky box, that was from the original XFL. Like yeah. people always seem to forget that. If you watch a game from 2001, yeah. I think they showed a whole game like in sky cam form. I'm like, yeah. yeah, this is pretty cool. It's a shame the product's done. Is yeah. that why The Rock cut a promo before the Super Bowl this year? Because he's like this now with the National Football right. League. Right, we'll, we'll see if that I thought they were going to get Buffer to do it, but they got The Rock. The Rock just as good. Uh, I, Kerr, I know I, yeah, because I follow you on social media. Uh, you got a little bent out of shape. I did, but didn't voice it as loudly as you did. Who was the bright individual that decided to say the top five quarterbacks in the National Football League? Does not include Patrick Mahomes. That would be that would be <laughs> Ocho, I believe, is one. Was it Ocho or was it? I, I forget. I forget who it was. Now it's been it's been a week. <laughs> I don't want to. I didn't know somebody did that. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That I don't want to put that on somebody wrongly. So I don't know if it was Emmanuel or not. But yeah, that whoever that was is just that's a look at me statement. Look at oh, me. Yeah. Look at me. I mean, yeah, look, I think it's I, – and I tell Jody this all the time, Jeff. I think it's become an indictable offense for some bizarre reason that you can't criticize Patrick Mahomes. He played poorly in the I second half. I played terrible. A lot of people in Nation, they admit to it, but they're it, – it's weird down there because it's – they know he played bad. They know everything went wrong, but yeah. they're – they're really upset now. All of a sudden, he's not an elite quarterback or Joe. Oh no, he's an elite quarterback, yeah, but and, he's not. You know, he's not above criticism. No, but he's, he's definitely not. a top five quarterback. I, I went, I went to bat for him yesterday. I said, "Look, the guy loses an AFC Championship game, doesn't get to the Super Bowl. Now all of a sudden, he's apparently telling um, his fiance and his brother that they can't go to games anymore." I'm like, which is truly BS, um, you know, from everything I was told, but it's it, all these stories are coming out about him. Like they're trying to pin him as like the enemy of the NFL and none of it's even remotely true. Yeah. That uh, I don't bother with the social media aspect of it, of uh, brothers and fiancés and uh, attacks and stuff. No, tell me about what happened on the field. And yes, he had a God awful second half in the game yeah. against Cincinnati in the playoffs this year. He's still uh, either the first, second, or third best quarterback in the league to take him out of the top five. 
is just stone cold ridiculous. Uh, Jeff, we also had the NFL.com's rankings of all the quarterbacks in the league. And Jalen Hurts came in at number 17 for where he ranked off last season. And it included just like it wasn't a projection going forward. It was just a production of this year. Tom Brady, who at least as per now, what time is it? Uh, he's retired, but that could always change, um, was uh, in the top five. So we're not talking about projecting into 2023. We're just talking about grading 20, uh, grading 2021, not looking into 2022. What do you think of the 17th best quarterback in the NFL ranking for Jalen Hurts for this past year? I think that's fair, honestly. Was he higher than Jimmy G? Um, I think know. Jimmy G I'll was 15. Check. I don't have yeah. NFL.com. He should have been higher, but uh, yeah. So um, I, I look at it this way: I thought Jalen Hurts had a good year. I don't think he had a great year by any standards. If someone would have told me in in August when I was on with you guys that Jalen Hurts would throw for 3,000 yards and rush for 750 yards, I would say, all right, that's a pretty good year. Maybe the Eagles have a shot at the playoffs. Well, they did do that, and they did make the playoffs. And Hurts got a Better as a passer, I thought, as the year went on, and maybe that's because Nick Sirianni changed the offense a bit. This is why I'm for giving him another year. That's, But it's also hard when you know you have the draft capital to go get a guy like Russell Wilson. The only difference between the Eagles and the Rams is if we're going to compare apples to oranges here with, you know, Matt Fissette, the Rams have a Super Bowl caliber roster. They just need an upgrade quarterback. The Eagles need a lot for their roster, which is why – I'd rather use those draft picks and try to improve at linebacker and try to help this defense out, maybe get another wide receiver in there. I think they should go the free agent route for that, but I am not against Jalen Hurts coming back in 2022. Well, uh, let me flesh that out a little bit, Jeff, because, and I hear what you're saying. I mean, the Rams made a Super Bowl. They have two Super Bowls and, you know, Sean McVay's five years. Now they have one. Lombardi trophy so we we look at that team and say okay they're a Super Bowl caliber roster but you know look who they're playing in the secondary other than Jalen Ramsey look at who's making an impact at linebacker on the in the biggest game of the world you know third round pick um uh, you know yes they have Aaron Donald they have Von Miller they have Odell Beckham Jr. but he got injured they're playing as by the time Odell Beckham went down, I mean, that wasn't the plan. Robert Woods went down first. Then OBJ goes down in the second half. Van Jefferson, for whatever reason, maybe because his wife was about to go into labor, certainly didn't seem to be playing a a good game uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. And then all of a sudden, they're relying on Ben Skoranek with uh, Cooper Cup. I mean... Yes, they have Cooper Cup, who was a superstar, also a third-round pick. Um, are they really that different, the Eagles roster and the Rams roster? The Rams roster is very top-heavy with superstars, but they got a lot of role players filling in the offensive line. The entire offensive line is a 40-year-old guy and a bunch of fourth- and fifth-round picks. Is it that big of a difference? I, I look at the other side, Jeff. I'm saying the defensive line, there's a big difference. That, that That's where I'll disagree. I think on the <laughs> defensive line's a major difference because you have a general a generational player like Aaron Donald, a generational player like Von Miller, who they acquire, by the way. So yes. I give them credit for that. 
And well, and that's where I said it's definitely top heavy. Look, the top, no doubt about it. The Rams have the marquee players, they have the superstars. But By the way, I have to point this out. You know, we didn't even mention like Eagles are free agency yet, but the Eagles are probably getting the biggest acquisition back in Brandon Graham. I don't know how if he's going to be the Brandon Graham of old, but you're still getting him back. I think that's going to help a defensive line that have. How many sacks did they end up with, McMahon? Was it 19? Not, not a lot. They, they, they were they, 31st in the National Football League, yeah, next they, to last in team sacks. They had the weird, because uh, they were top five in all the advanced stats when it came to pressure percentage and pass rush win rate and their bottom five in sacks, which, like, never happens. It was a weird sort of anomaly how do you, how do you get there? I I think, and I tell Jody this all the time. I get it. I seem shaking his head already. I think finishing on the pass rush is a trait. I think it's a skill. I think some people have it. Some people don't. Von Miller's a perfect example. One of the greatest pass rushers of all time. Brandon Graham's the example of the other side. Really good player, creates a lot of pressure, but doesn't finish well. I I think that's a trait. But I also think if you're getting to the quarterback, if you're getting around the quarterback, ultimately those sack numbers will – I think it was a bit of an anomaly the Eagles were that low. Let, let me jump in here, Jeff. I'll get you in a second. Here's my issue with that, that pressures and quarterback hurries are just slightly less than actual sacks. and like, Says who? If it's a subjective as to whether a pressure or a hurry is successful, well, then it's subjective. Here's what I know. A sack's a sack. There's no debate involved. There's no subjectivity involved. A sack is a sack. And that's why, yes, I'm always going to prefer sacks over just quarterback pressure and hurry. If someone who I trusted uh, designated a hurry as a successful hurry, a non-effective hurry, well, then a hurry would be important. If we don't know exactly what a hurry ends up downfield occurring, what the hell's a hurry? Well, but can I say, and I, I got to get Jeff in, but I just want to, because Jody and I always have, we're getting Jeff in the middle. We always have this discussion. One, fourth and one, Jody, there's an example. Aaron Donald, look, sack would have been great, hurry, that Steals was a game. successful hurry. Steals but there the are game. hurries where a guy completes a 55-yard touchdown pass. Okay, oh, he got his but, hand on the quarterback. That's a hurry. Oh, and he got rid of it, and the guy caught it for a touchdown 55 well, yards. And, and by the way, if Joe Burrow makes the play, and and uh, like I said, Samuel Piran, uh, Samaji Piran, uh is a better pass receiving back, who knows what happens, then it doesn't work. Sacks are never bad, I always say. but And then I point out this. Okay, highest pass rush win rate, right? Number one, Los Angeles Rams. They get there. Number two, Carolina Panthers. They get there. Number three, Cleveland Browns, Miles Garrett. They get there. Number four, four, Philadelphia Eagles. They didn't get there. That's why I said it was an anomaly. If you get there and you get there, most teams that get there, like pass rush win rate, Always aligns with sacks. This year it didn't with the Eagles. I'm saying that's an anomaly. If they keep doing that, it will go back to normal. 
My, I'll say this about pressures and hurries. My high school football coach, who was ahead of his time on this because pressures weren't a thing, but he would teach us about pressures. And he's an old school guy, but he said, pressures get you to play. And if you're a pro, pressures will get you paid. And I think a lot of, when I look at a lot of defensive ends around the league, they get on Hassan Reddick because he doesn't get a lot of pressures, but he finishes a lot. And like you said, McMullen, Carolina, second in pass rush win rate. Hassan Reddick got home when he had the opportunity, but he only made, what, $8 million this year? He was probably worth more than $8 million, and he probably should get more on the open market. But he's a guy that he takes advantage of the opportunities when he does get to the quarterback. So I, I, I think to me it's – if you're getting there, you're at least getting the quarterback to move out of his spot. You're doing your job. Yeah, and it helps to have Brian Burns. Brian Burns is really why Carolina is at the top. And, you know, if you have a Brian Burns or a Miles Garrett or a Aaron Donald, that's going to make it easier for everybody else. The Eagles don't have that guy. They got to find that guy. And that's what they're going to do in the draft. I think they're going to get an edge I rusher. I, I think they should use a pick on, on a player like that. Like, not a defensive tackle, but someone on the edge, someone who can play that, maybe even an Anthony Barr type role, someone who can actually. And then, and then my point is, if you get that one last piece of the puzzle, the rest of it falls into place and everything looks great because you're already getting the pressures. But By the way, and, McCone, is there any way the Eagles would get Anthony Barr? He is an unrestricted free agent. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to get paid that much. I, I think he's going to re-sign in Minnesota because Minnesota is going to shift to a 3-4, um, and I think they're excited uh, about turning him into what he always should have been, which would have been, should have been a 3-4 edge rusher, uh, more of a, you know, and those things are – Four three versus three four doesn't mean as much as it used to be. It, it's just edge rushers, and he should be an edge rusher. I I don't think the Eagles. If you think the Eagles are going to move him to Sam linebacker, I don't think he wants that. Um, I don't think they want to pay what it would take to get him at that particular position. But I get it because Jonathan Gannon has the history with them, and he's a good player and he knows how to play. I just think. They don't value that position enough to to spend what it would get to to get him, even though he's not going to break the bank. They still don't want to pay that that level of money at that particular position. That would be my assessment. J.K., I want to get your uh, league-wide take on a move that came down over the past week in the NFL. And, shoot, I got calls about it on WIP that the Eagles should be interested in acquiring a specific coach. Uh, Brian Flores gets fired in Miami. Shortly thereafter, he files a lawsuit against the National Football League because of discrimination. A class action lawsuit, which no one had signed on with him just yet. Um, but while he's suing the National Football League, he still interviews for head coaching jobs. The Texans among them. Doesn't get the gig, of course, but does get the gig this week as a defensive assistant, uh, positional coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers the team that probably made the most sense to hire him because they've got an African-American coach and it is called the Rooney rule for a reason. Pittsburgh has always been ahead of the game in, in balancing the scales uh, when it comes to coaching hiring. Will there be pushback at all in the National Football League this year? Steelers can do whatever they want. And again, Roger, Gale, I don't think is going to be calling the Roonies on the carpet. 
Uh, how big a move is this for the Steelers and the rest of the National Football League? I think the National Football League should be sending thank you notes to the Steelers because if Flores had got no jobs and been blackballed, that would kind of help his uh, argument in the lawsuit that he was trying to go forward with. He is still going forward. How weird is that going to be this year? Well, it is going to be weird, but if I'm the Steelers, I'm thinking I got a home run hire for a linebackers coach, a guy who probably isn't going to be with our organization long because I think he will get other opportunities to become a head coach, which is going to be awkward in and of itself. But I mean, Brian Flores is clearly a better coach than the job he currently has right now. But I think a lot of that has to do with the lawsuit against the league. And I don't think teams wanted to touch him with a 10 and a half foot pole. So, but Mike Tomlin, he looks at it as I got improved the defense. My linebackers weren't good this year. Let's bring this guy in. And I would think the same way. Like, look, I'm trying to upgrade my coaching staff in any way, shape or form. I don't care what the situation is. Well, Brian Flores was that, and he was available, but yeah, I think the NFL is going to have to address a lot of this Brian Flores stuff. And really overall with blackhead coaches, like why can't these guys get jobs? We only have what two, two of them in the league. Now it's Mike Tomlin and, and Lovey Smith. And I don't even know how long Lovey Smith's going to be in the league. So I think the league's going to have to address something with the Rooney rule. Uh, they're they're going to have to do something. And uh, that's what is concerning to me. It's because there are a lot of guys I feel, I, I don't want to say they shouldn't be head coaches, but I feel like they're getting better opportunities to become head coaches than everybody. No disrespect to the Kevin O'Connells of the world. I think a Kevin O'Connell is that crappy third round quarterback that the Patriots drafted. I don't know how he, <laughs> I don't think, I don't know how he rose as quick as he has to Sean I, McVay. I know. It's, it's, I just don't get it. If, like, if, if you go back to last year and Brandon Staley, it's even more egregious. Where when Brandon Staley was at John Carroll two years before that or whatever and he's a defensive-minded guy. At least Kevin O'Connell's the offensive-minded guy. He got to learn under Sean McVay. But we already – Sean McVay's 36 years old, Jeff, and he's already got a tree of Matt LaFleur, um, uh, uh, Brandon Staley, Kevin who, – who am I missing? There's a fourth. Uh, uh, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. You're, you're sort of – uh, and now it, it'll be they they're bringing back somebody from Louisville, I forget his name, or Kentucky somewhere to be the offensive coordinator. Yeah, Kentucky's um, offensive coordinator got got the offensive coordinator. Yeah, um, he'll be the next in line. That you know how this league works, and that yeah. right now, if you're touched, if you touch the robe of Sean McVay, you're going to be a head coach in this league. And that, it's just funny until about three weeks ago, it should be if you touch the robe of Andy Reid, you should get a yes. head coach. Used to be, used yeah. to be. Now Sean McVay has taken Andy Reid's spot. Look, I think there's a lot of groupthink in the NFL. I say it all the time. Everybody interviews the same people. The key is getting minorities in the positions of of offensive and defensive coordinator. Then they could be in the position to take that next step. Um, I don't know how to fix it. I've been talking about this for years. Um, you know, Mike McDaniel, you said there's two African-American coaches. Does he count? I don't know if he counts. Why can't we get to the point of uh, hiring the best candidate? I know, you know, people of color will look at me as a white man and say, well, you can say that. 
all right, I can. And I, I, I certainly don't go through the same things that you've gone through. Um, but still, at the end of the day, you, you, you can't tell me that the best route isn't hiring the best person. The question is, why are we assuming the best person is any race? I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Why can't the best person be the best person? But that's pie in the sky. Exactly. And, you know, when the Dolphins hire Mike McDaniel, I'm like, I get it to an extent, but I'm like, okay, Eric Bieniemy would work in that role. Why didn't you give him a shot? And I know here's where I'll say about Eric. Now, Eric is is a hot button issue, but you might remember going back to when he was thinking about getting the Colorado job. He he had a lot of issues in his youth um, that scared off Colorado where he went to school as a, a, and he was a heck of a running back. And there's a lot of people in this league that uh, were scared off by that and scared off by the potential uh, PR hurdles uh, if they were to hire him because it would bubble back up to the top and all that kind of stuff. But there are other uh, candidates, you know, I'd look at Thomas Brown and in, in with the Rams. So Here's the biggest egregious part. You bring up Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell brought Wes Phillips to be his offensive coordinator. He's just Rants on the bumps on the Wade. Yes. So that now you have uh, uh, now you have minority issues. You have nepotism issues. You have all this uh, 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 into an ugly stew. Thomas Brown's the assistant head coach there. He's an African American. I can tell you, I, we only got ten minutes. Um. Uh, talking to the assistant coaches or so. I got to talk to Tom. He was the most impressive assistant coach in the whole lot. He was more impressive than Sean McVay and Zach Taylor. Now, 10 minutes is 10 minutes. Uh, Obviously, there are other things to it. Why isn't he getting more uh, 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 looks? That, to me, is is a fair criticism. I can't tell you if Mike McDaniel is going to be a better coach than Eric B. Enemy. I can't tell you if Kevin O'Connell is going to be a good head coach, and don't, neither can anybody else. So no. I, I'm not. I don't feel comfortable saying so and so is a good candidate, so and so is a bad candidate. So this is what upset me. People were upset at the guys Doug Peterson brought in. I'm like, you mean Press Taylor, a guy he trusts, Mike Caldwell, a guy he trusts, yeah. uh, Jim Bob Cooter, a guy he trusts. Like, I'm sorry. Like, if I get hired as a head coach, I'm hiring. The guys I trust, it's because I want to succeed. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't have that circles, but, you know, it, it was like when my buddy got hired as, as head varsity football, a uh, basketball coach at Oxford, you know, he brought in guys he knew, guys he trusted. I was one of them. And, you know, we, you know, it, it's a five man staff and we all, we all been together for years. We all know each other. We all know what each other's thinking. And it helps, you know, a staff. And that's what, I think yeah, that's how it works. I mean, Nick Sirianni brought in his guys. Yeah. You know, Kevin Petullo, Shane Steichen, the the crux of that offensive coaching staff. They're all best friends. Uh, you know, that's that's how it works. Unfortunately, well, look at yeah. Dan, Dan Campbell brought in Aaron Glenn. They're they're close. It's uh, I think Aaron Glenn's going to be a head coach in the NFL someday. It's it, it just seems like he's going to be one of those. He got a couple interviews, and from what I heard, he impressed a lot of them. But he's only been the coordinator for one year, and I don't think they wanted to to jump that ship yet. But if you look at Tracy Walker and how good he's been with the – I think a lot of that has had to do with Aaron Glenn and his teachings. 
if you don't love ball, you had no chance to get a spot on uh, Coach Sirianni's staff. That was a <laughs> major prerequisite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you knew him, you were uh, in a, an advantageous position, but you got to profess to love ball if you want to work on Nick Sirianni's staff. All right. They'll be balling out in Indianapolis next week, Jeff Kerr, and they just uh, burst the bubble yesterday, which means uh, a little bit more access for players to get their own uh, conditioners and agents and friends and the like in to uh, keep themselves in the zone that they want to be in to be able to work out. Uh, the NFL tried to uh, make it seem as if, oh, we, we don't run the combine, and we all know that that's not the case, that they pull all the strings, find the combine. Uh, the fact that the agents and the Players Association were able to flex their muscles a little bit and get significant change done here, Good thing for football, bad thing for football, or just part of the nuts and bolts of the football system these days? This one's always been tough for me because, I, you know, when this all came out, I'm like, why is the league doing this? Why does the league try to make things harder for people who want to play in their league? I, I, I don't understand. Why can't you just give these kids what they need? Why do they got to be in a bubble? Why, you know, these kids are – this is – they're trying to make this their livelihood. Make this an enjoyable experience. I know it's the combine. I know there's a lot at stake here, but to me, it's just, I feel like the NFL kicked a hornet's nest that didn't need to be kicked. And eventually the player association stepped up and they were able to get some things in. But if I was in that situation, if I was going to the league, I'd be like, you know what? I'm not going to combine. I'll go to my pro day. I'll, I'll go where it's safe. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate since uh, that's what we have to do. So from the league's perspective, um, I think their thought press was thought process was this has become very staged. Um, guys now hire agents who have staffs that prepare them for this, whether it's on the field or off the field and more importantly, off the field, because, I always go back, you know, when the combine started the mid eighties, early eighties, whenever it was, you knew if Deion Sanders showed up and ran a four, two and everybody else is slower, you knew, okay, Deion's really fast. Uh, he didn't sit there for six weeks and practice like a track star to, you know, peak at the right time. That's on the field, off the field. They prep you like it's a job interview. If they say this, you say this. If they say this, you say this. We had Chris Landry used to run the scouting combine on last week. And he mentioned that you got to be smart. You got to get the information. So I think they were trying to get the kids in the bubble, not for the pandemic, but to keep their advisors away so they can get more information that's real as far as the uh, antiseptic stuff that everybody's going to do, the robotic stuff. But then again, they created this monster because they turned this into a TV event and an event on the calendar. So the toothpaste is out of the tube. I don't know how you well, fix John, it. You would, you would know this, right? I, I, if I'm correct, they take the Wonderlick test at the combine, don't they? They did. Uh, they're doing away with it i don't know if they're doing away with it this year or but they're it's going to be phased out really quickly did you ever but take, yes did you, did you ever take it yes, yes yeah yes. I, i've taken it i you know i tell people it's not hard but you only get 12 minutes so yeah. you gotta it, it's not process it's not processing the information it's processing the information quick that's what they're yeah. 
Yeah. And they're, they're, you know, because of where we are in the world, they're going to outlaw that. It might be this year. It's coming very, very quickly. So no more Wonderlic. Right. Coming. But teams will have their own individual tasks where they get a chance to yeah. meet with players and they uh, put it together the way that they think it best works. All right, JK. Um, Eagle fans could get bummed out today or tomorrow or the day after or sometime in the next two weeks because today is the first day the teams – can slap franchise tags on big time free agent players. By the way, uh, nobody's doing it today. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. here's one for you. I with Eagles fit. I'll tell you how to get Eagles fans bummed that they franchise tag one of their own free agents because there's no one for franchise tag. Yeah, very, very true. Uh, but Devontae Adams is not going to get out of Green Bay. No, he's unfettered. not. Um, a guy who I've talked about here on Birds 365 and elsewhere. The, the perfect match for me for the Eagles if they hit home runs on their two free agent swings, and I think they've got two swings in them at uh, well, well-paid <laughs> players, would be like a loss uh, outfit, Williams and Williams. Uh, give me Marcus Williams on the defense and Mike Williams on the offense. I'd be a happy Eagle fan. Go ahead, fill in everybody else at the bargain bin. You tell me I'm getting Mike Williams and Marcus Williams, I'm a pretty happy Eagle fan. Either one of those guys got a chance to be in franchise, either Mike or Marcus Williams. So I just wrote an article for CBS about potential players who could get a franchise tag. I mentioned Marcus Williams for the Saints. Here's the problem. The Saints are $75.9 million over yeah, the salary. Very true. So they're going to have to let Teron Armstead and Marcus Williams walk. So there's an opportunity to get Marcus Williams for a lot of teams around this league. And obviously Jesse Banks ain't going anywhere from Cincinnati. So Marcus Williams is the ideal I've spoken about this with the Chargers. I think they have the cap space. They should franchise tag Mike Williams. Justin Herbert wants Mike Williams back. It makes logistical sense to do it, but they keep talking in, in L.A. about they got to improve the run defense. They got to get new guys at defensive tackle. They got to get another edge rusher. They got to get some linebackers. They got to revamp the secondary. So their free agency might be focused on the defensive side of the ball. And if Mike Williams somehow gets to the open market, that's the guy. I, I think that's the guy you signed. It's I want the Eagles to draft him the year they drafted Barnett. Obviously, when did he go? When did Mike Williams go? It was what twelve? I, I he went before Barnett. I know that. Yeah. But, but that's the guy that I want the Eagles to get five years ago, and it'd be nice for them to get him while he's twenty-seven years old and coming off a big year. And I I know he's got a great repertoire with Justin Herbert, but. He really could make Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith like he's fun to play. It's fun to play with Justin Herbert if you're a wide receiver. You oh, put... I will say this though: even if they sh- wouldn't get him if he got franchised, there's a lot of receivers in there that I think the Eagles would be very happy with in their fans, like Christian Kirk. There's there, there's going to be guys available. Real quick, I we're running late. I know you got to run at Jeff Kerr, CBS. Follow Jeff at uh, CBS Sportsline. But you mentioned Howie Roseman. The Eagles don't have anybody worthy of the franchise tag. Yeah, they don't. That's because he locked everybody up. That yeah, would have been yeah. worthy of the franchise tag. So, you know, Eagles fans are getting excited that this news it really hasn't come out. It's been out there for a while. But Howie's a, a lame duck. Jody and I were talking about it, and I said, well, not necessarily, but... I'm sure they're working on something. Yeah, he's not going to be a lame duck, period. Uh, why are fans so excited about Howie Roseman GMing in a lame duck year? Why are fans... Why do fans think Chris Ballard's a better GM than Howie Roseman? Uh, you know, that's the stuff I always wonder. It's 
it's funny when you talk to other teams around the league. It was like I'm on a Chargers podcast. And they talk about Tom Tedesco a lot. They're like, you know, he hits on a lot of first-round picks, but they – and it's funny because they say, yeah, but after the first round, he's not very good. And they, they can't seem to get a lot of players in on day two or day three. Meanwhile, you got Howie who seems to get him on day three, but everybody likes to mention Jalen Rager and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Fair, but all of a sudden, like, I saw someone got on Ruben Frank this year like told him Devonta Smith doesn't count. I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't count? It's a <laughs> what do you mean? It no, so that's how we're going to play this game. Now it's like anything to get rid of Howie Roseman. I, I hate to tell you this. How many GMs are better than Howie Roseman right now? There's I, probably maybe what, six or – if I had the right – At worst, you and, know, I got in a lot of trouble saying he was top five. At worst, top ten. At worst, he's top ten in the NFL. I think he's top five, but – I, I get eviscerated every time I say that. Um, he's good at his job, and it's not just picking. It's it's also um, building the department, which, as we saw with Ian Cunningham and Brandon Brown leaving, you know, the Eagles are well-respected around the NFL. That's how I gauge things. Why do other teams think you're well-run? Why do you want a lot of it has to do with that. All right, let, me, let, me, let me hop in for both you guys here before we let Jeff run. Uh, as John just noted, Cunningham and Brown both get gigs elsewhere. Any rumors at all about who the Eagles might be looking at to bring in from outside the organization to take their place in the structure that is the Eagles front office? Are they just going to elevate individuals into higher ranking positions? We've heard, read, or seen nothing that the Eagles have done to replace two guys who have moved on. Have you guys heard anything? I haven't heard anything. How about, how about you, John? Um, remember, they already have Dave Caldwell in the organization, who's an ex-GM in Jacksonville. Right, <laughs> they brought he, him in so are you year. suggesting he's going to get elevated, or no, is he I, just going to stay with actually, what he's doing? Actually, I think that, that job isn't big enough for Dave Caldwell, to be honest. But uh, typically with that particular job, which is, the assistant director of player personnel. So essentially that was the right-hand men uh, because the Eagles split the job of Andy Weidel, who's the vice president of player personnel. Typically they they have promoted from within, as they did with Ian Cunningham and Brandon Brown. Anthony Patch would be next on the list. That would be my best guess as to what the Eagles could do. But they're Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're always looking at talent, front office talent, as they call it. They've done it in the past with Andrew Berry and Dave Caldwell, as I mentioned, Catherine Raich. They continue to do it. The personnel stuff is on a different calendar. That'll probably happen after the draft, not before it, because their contracts go year to year after the draft. Uh, so that'll be the time frame of that. For that particular job, the history of the Eagles says they will promote from within. And the next guy up would be Anthony Patch. All right, good stuff. JK, always a pleasure, buddy. Appreciate you coming on board. We'll get you up uh, when free agency kicks off 
thanks much for jumping in today. Always a pleasure, guys. Uh, you know I love coming on here. That is Jeff Carr, CBSSports.com, and a guy who fills in for Johnny Mack and co-hosts with me here on Birds 365. So it's always good, even if on a guest level, to bring J.K. into the mix. All right, Johnny Mack, Johnny Mack, coming back. Uh, we got a chance for a guest in hour number two, still to be determined by his schedule. We uh, tried to get Les Bowen on. He said he'd come on. Then he got his doctor appointment time wrong. So we'll see if we get Les up. I've got more things to bring up with Johnny Mac coming up next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You've got your Mac and Mac guys. Yeah, Bird 365, Joey McDonald, John McMullen. Uh, hoping to hear from Les Bowen. I uh, could uh, hop aboard with us here during our second hour. We're going to have to wait and see on that. Uh, John, you mentioned something right before we went to break about the contract days on certain executives within an organization that uh, some end at one point, some end at other, depending on what their responsibilities are on the personnel side. Most contracts end. Uh, after the draft date, uh, part of the year where the draft has already come and gone. 
which of the two executives who left the Eagles would you say was more of a uh, personnel guy, a guy who, yeah, has been certainly involved in all the Eagle personnel meetings up until the draft and is taking that knowledge elsewhere? Um, they were uh, they were both uh, strictly personnel guys. So, the, you know, when we talk about <clears throat> executives, and I, and I would use it as Howie Roseman and, and Catherine Rach are, are so, sort of the all-encompassing um, when it comes to personnel and business, uh, everything together. Um, then you have sort of the football operations department, which would be, say, Jake Ra- Rosenberg, who helps uh, Howie with contracts. He's more business. Whereas Andy Weidel is the leader of the scout department. He's more personnel. Ian and Brandon were both um, strictly personnel guys. Um, So they both have an infinite knowledge of the Eagles personnel and what they want to do, what they want to accomplish. Um, How they split up the job, typically that was only a one-person job. Um, The Eagles... Uh, Ian was in charge of uh, college and, and Brandon was in charge of pro. Oh, right. And then they would mix in together and they sort of uh, created two people for the one job. Uh, so they're both strictly personnel guys to this point, you know, and, and people in the NFL look at it different ways. Some just like the hand to, to hire strictly personnel people as GMs, some, want a better, more uh, all-knowing view as Howie Roseman has with the Eagles and can go back and forth between both departments. So it all depends on what you want. But they're both strictly personnel guys at this point of their careers. Here's why I asked the question. Um, They were both personnel guys, and yes, they've been part of the Eagle uh, discussion for the entire season on the pro side, on the collegiate side, if the contracts are structured to keep someone in place till after the draft, because you don't want them sharing all the scouting reports that they've had up at that point, clean slate when they go to their new organization. Well, that's not what the Giants got when they hired. Um, am I getting it right here? Uh, Giants hired Brown, who was the pro guy. So uh, Cunningham taking his information on what the Eagles thought and he thought as far as scouting goes to college the Eagles did the right thing they didn't want to stop him from taking a job that he wanted to be able to go out and join uh, his new organization but uh the the Bears but they are letting someone out early which could be disadvantageous (laughs) why wouldn't they think about doing the same with somebody else if there's someone on someone else's uh staff that they think could fill the void of a guy like Cunningham or Brown. Why wouldn't the Eagles be aggressive and go after someone like that and offer them a promotion? Well, they could, I mean, we could do anything as far as, um, and, and they do it all the time. As I said, they bring in, as they would call it front office talent. And then they have one of the biggest budgets in the NFL when it comes to the front office. And that's where I give Jeffrey Lurie a lot of credit as well. Um, and they've done it in the past with some high-profile names, um, names that people will recognize, like uh, uh, Andrew Berry and 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 
Uh, Dave Caldwell, uh, John Dorsey uh, was here for a while, just helping out with evaluations. Um, they, they do that all the time. As far as these two particular positions, as I said, you know, these are, uh, these are not the director player personnel, which is uh, what Ian and Brandon were. Uh, again, if you look at, if you look at the flow chart, it goes Howie Roseman, it goes Catherine Raish, it goes Andy Weidel, then it would go uh, Ian Cunningham and Brandon Brown. So, for instance, they were both hired to be assistant GMs, so they're now number two in their respective organizations. Number two here is Catherine Raish. Uh, number three here is Andy Waddell. They were co-number fours on the pecking order. They're also minorities, uh, so the Eagles can't stop them from getting assistant GM jobs now. That's what the league wants. They can't force the – they might have wanted to keep them. They probably – especially in Brandon's case, you don't want him in the division probably. Uh, and back in the old days, if he was under contract, they probably could have said, you know, let's not do this. Different world we live in. Um and then we look at who I said, Anthony Patch, who's the uh, senior director of college scouting. That's the job Ian had before he started rising up to the job he has now. The Eagles believe in there, as Jeffrey Lurie said back in that famous press conference, we have five future GMs in the building. Um, at the time, I think he said the number was five. Correct me if you remember, Jody. I, I, I think you got right. I think it was five. Um, they believe in their guys in the building. And and my guess is, as I said with Jeff, he's next in line for that particular job. He'll probably get that job after the draft. And he'll, he's probably doing the job right now. And then when, when the structure and the time frame of that particular department the changes, as I said, come out generally a week or two after the draft. We'll see if it uh, plays out that way, but I thought that we might have an announcement that the Eagles may have uh, been able to go out and add to that front office to this point. They have not. All right, Johnny Mac, uh, do want to jump back into the quarterback conversation with you for a second, because I saw a report uh, when I was prepping for today's show that there was an inquiry on a starting quarterback in the National Football League who would have been ranked ahead of Jalen Hurts on the NFL.com's rankings of the quarterbacks uh, by a different team in the NFL about trying to spirit away someone else's starting quarterback. And as per the story went from, uh, I forget the guy who was at Yahoo who wrote it, the Carolina Panthers inquired about the availability of Kirk Cousins. <clears throat> uh, Kurt's got a year to go on his deal, or maybe it's two years to go on his deal. Uh, all guaranteed money. That's a deal he got from Minnesota. So uh, if they move on from him, it's not a terrible hit for the Vikings because there wasn't a lot of signing bonus money attached. They did a pretty straightforward deal. Your salary is your salary. Um, they wouldn't take a huge hit like the Eagles did, $33 million for Carson Wentz, to move on from Kirk Cousins. We know what Kirk Cousins is. There are some people that are comparing Kirk Cousins to Matthew Stafford that they're a good quarterback who's been on okay at best teams. And that's the reason why they haven't yet had playoff success. They haven't been on an upgraded team or an upgraded roster. 
I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan. Some people are bigger Kirk Cousins fans than me. There are some people that just don't go bury Kirk Cousins, which I don't understand because he does. He, he's a numbers getter. He's a pretty good numbers supplier, but is he a guy who can take you to the Super Bowl? People are thinking along those lines purely because two years running, a quarterback acquired during the offseason became the Super Bowl champion. That Brady guy did it for Tampa two years ago, and Matthew Stafford just did it for L.A. Would they, should the Eagles be in the conversation if Kirk Cousins is going to be dealt during this offseason? Um, no, only because of, <clears throat> and, and, you know, Kirk is difficult for me because I think he's a really good quarterback. I'm, I'm sort of in the Matthew Stafford camp with him, uh, who's always had a terrible offensive line. I, I think, and part of it is he, he makes so much money, it's tough to build an offensive line. So it's it's kind of that catch-22 um, where he doesn't seem willing to take a little bit less money uh, to build up around him. Um, he's also an, an unvaccinated quarterback. you got to throw that into the equation with the Carson Wentz's and Aaron Rodgers yeah, but let me, let me ask and about Lamar that. Jackson's. Just let me hop in for a second. We're talking about next year. We're not talking about what he did this year. If his choice was to stay unvaccinated and it ticked off some of his teammates this past year, by the time the season starts next year, I think the COVID restrictions are going to be lessened even that much more. I know I'm looking into a crystal ball here, and maybe I shouldn't do that, but for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to. So him being unvaccinated would be a lesser deal for any team that were to acquire <clears throat> Kirk Cousins if he was traded. Is that even a factor if he's dealt? Oh, well, I, vaccinated I, in 2022 now. Well, number one, I agree with you. I think that's what's going to happen. But I also agree with you. I don't know that's going to happen. And if they continue, even if it's just you got to test more, but it's not what it was, it's not daily – and you're more susceptible to get a head cold, Omicron, essentially, uh, which is not very serious. But you're going to have to sit out the game, even if you can play, because of, of where we are. I have no idea of knowing any of that. My point is, if you're making $45 million, uh, and that, I think, is what Kirk is scheduled to make this year, 35 on a salary, 10 from a signing bonus, so a new team, it would only be 35. Um, guess what? Same thing I said with Carson Wentz. This is not a political statement. This is, if I'm paying you $35 million, you better do everything humanly possible to be on that field. And one thing Kirk Cousins has that's tremendous is durability. The guy's always out there. The guy's always, uh, and he's taken some massive hits, but he's always out there. However, and Look, you go to that late-season game in Green Bay. That's when the Eagles clinch. Remember that game? It was the Sunday night game. Um, uh, the Eagles clinched the playoffs. Uh, they needed Minnesota to lose to Green Bay, which they're probably going to do in Lambeau anyway. But you knew they were going to lose the game because Sean Mannion was playing quarterback because right. Kirk Cousins wasn't available. Now, they probably lose it anyway, but it's a very competitive game. If Kirk Cousins is out there, 
My point is, biggest game of the year for his particular team. He's not available. Same thing happened to Carson Wentz. Same thing happened to Aaron Rodgers at one point uh, when he was forced to miss the game. Same thing happened to Lamar Jackson. Look, I, I got to put that in, in the equation until it's not in the equation. If I'm, if I'm making decisions, uh, that's got to be a part of it. Uh, I, I'm not paying a guy $35 million to not be doing everything possible to be on the field. Right, but here's, here's where it's different. Kirk Cousins, you just ran down a list of the quarterbacks who chose to stay unvaccinated. They had all pre-signed their deals before they had gotten these mega contracts, before the knowledge that they were going to stay unvaccinated came out. The Redskins gave Kirk Cousins his big contract before the pandemic was a pandemic. So they didn't know that Kirk Cousins was going to handle his business this way. Anyone who was to acquire Kirk Cousins this offseason knows full well the guy took a hardline stance. He doesn't want to take the vaccination. So when you acquire him, you know what you're acquiring. So it's less of a big deal for that acquiring organization. If it's that big a deal, well, then you just don't acquire him. So uh, the team knows it, and his teammates should know it. It shouldn't be like, well, what do you mean our starting quarterback isn't getting vaccinated? Oh, you know that the day you acquire a guy like Kirk Cousins. So if he is traded, I don't think that's a reason to say, uh, well, shame on him for that. Well, no, you know when you're acquiring him. He's already taken a stance, and the team's got to factor that in when they decide to acquire him to begin with. No, I agree with that. Uh, No question. They do, and they will factor it in. I'm saying if I'm the Eagles, I'm factoring that in. That's my point when you're saying, but I got to tell you, and pro football, we talked about advanced stats with the pass rushing. Now I'll talk about it at the quarterback position. They just came out with their quarterback annual, all these advanced stats. And, you know, my eyes roll over basically um, half of the time when I see these things. But and this just came out yesterday. Kirk Cousins is like top five in everything with a clean pocket. Everything. I mean, when this guy is protected, he is one of the best quarterbacks in football. And the Eagles have a good offensive line. The The Vikings have a bottom five offensive line. And that's been where the issues kind of stem from. So it is only that. I put that little thought in the back of your head. This guy's been unbelievable from clean pockets. And if he were to come to the Eagles, certainly the Eagles have a better offensive line than the Vikings do. All right, Mac and Mac, John McMullen, Jordan McDonald here with you on Birds 365. When we return, one of our Eagle favorite commentators, you know he covered the team for years. He's still as big an Eagle insider in my mind as he is, uh, as anybody else is here in town. Look forward to talking to Les Bowen joins us next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian, in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mega Mac Guides here on Birds 365. We still got a solid uh, half an hour and change left. I'm going to spend a good chunk of that time with our buddy in his car, no less, uh, Les Bowen, who you read for years here in town, relaxed his writing schedule, but good enough to come on with us when we ask. Everything check out okay, Les? Yeah, I'm good, Jody. Thanks. Uh, that's good. And I see, Les, you were also on Jeopardy. You got a big Jeopardy win last night. I saw yeah, that I'm on always, People come up with these guys that are supposedly look like me. <laughs> Anybody who has white hair... Well, yeah. And wears glasses and has a goatee, pretty much is judged to look like me. And generally, there really aren't a lot of similarities other than that, but I go along with it. Yeah, I hear you. That's why Brandon, Brandon Graham calls me Bruce Arians, which I feel bad for Bruce Arians for that. You do um, look a little bit like B.A., yeah. yeah. Yeah, see, there we go. So it happens to all of us, Les. It's not just you. But I'm thrilled. <laughs> Uh, thrilled you're, you're, you're good from your doctor's appointment, thrilled you're on the show. And I want to talk, I want to start with Howie Roseman for some reason, mm -hmm. I don't know who started it, but Howie's contract when, when Doug Peterson got extended in 2018, they synced it up. Uh, so both contracts would run out in 2022. There seemed to be a lot of people thinking that Howie Roseman is a lame duck GM and he'll be GMing, so to speak, for his job. Your thoughts on on, on that? 
Uh, I, I don't think Howie is GMing for his job. Yeah, it's an odd time for that to be the case. I mean, if you looked at things going into last season, you could certainly see that possibility. The Wentz trade, uh, you know, nobody knowing anything about Jalen Hurts. Some people in the national media picking the team to be one of the worst teams in the league. But they made the playoffs. They weren't horrible. They weren't great, but they weren't horrible. Hurts looked good enough that, you know, they can plausibly go forward with him for another year. They have three first-round picks this year. So, you know, things are kind of on the upswing. I mean, we won't know until we have the season, but it's not a time when you're sitting around thinking about firing general managers, I don't think. Um, Howie's contract has always been a little bit of a mystery. You know, they don't yeah. make public announcements yeah. when they extend him or anything like that. There's no and I said they already, by the way, Les, I said they already might have extended him. Remember they gave him the GM title back? They might have done yes. it then. I don't I don't have a hundred percent on that. The only thing I would say is if you're really looking for something lurking in the background, there's the whole issue of uh Julian Lurie, yes. uh, who's taking a larger role in the operation these days. Jeffrey is seventy. Um and Julian is very close to Alec Hallaby, who's like an assistant GM and the head of the analytics situation there. And who knows what Alec Hallaby's ambitions might be down the road. And, you know, I don't know a whole lot about Julian's uh, relationship with Howie. It's not Jeffrey's relationship. You know, I mean, they haven't been together they haven't been close colleagues for 20-some years because Julian was a little kid 20-some years ago. Um, they, you know, things could change. I mean, it's it, nothing stays the same forever. But I don't think there's anything close to going on with Howie Roseman. And I think this season would have to be a complete disaster for Howie Roseman to be in any trouble there. Same exact thought process here. And at some point, one of you guys is going to be able to ask Howie Roseman that question. Uh, he yeah. is going to make himself a bell go, hey, Howie, how about your contract? Uh, don't know if Howie will yeah. answer, but uh, at least it will be something worth asking. All right, so, yes, the contingent well, is going. available at the Combine, yeah. most, most likely at the Combine in another week or two. Uh, I won't be there, but, you know, it'll be uh, – there's always an opportunity at that point. Whether he will answer a question like that meaningfully is, is a – well, we know he won't, I mean, <laughs> uh, but it can be asked then. You're right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, let me just, uh, I don't know if, uh, John, you know this or, or Les, uh, who's not there every day like John is. What are they going to do with something like that? If Howie Roseman is there and members of the media who are there have access to him, is there a Zoom aspect to that meeting of uh, the general manager? Or uh, do you have to be there to be able to get? Uh, surely it could be uh, a non-question affair for you and the ability to Zoom, but could you yeah. be on the Zoom conference? How do you think the Eagles going to handle that? No, well, I have no live. idea. Yeah. It'll be live. Yeah, it, in, it, in past years, you've had to go to the Combine yeah. to get this access, and yeah. I support that. I mean, there are news outlets that spend the money to have yeah. people there, and they should have some advantage from that. 
you know. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know what they'll do this year because it's kind of, you know, we're still kind of in the COVID uh, situation, and there's some kind of there's a possibility, I guess, that they could, uh, you know, they could zoom it. But I don't, you know, I would imagine it'll just be in person. Yeah, it's it's going to be in person, but you know, and they'll have the you know social distance. You might be able to that. watch it on yeah, the website. Yeah, yeah, it'll something. be it'll be televised. But yeah, you, uh, reporters uh, normally can ask questions on a Zoom. It's just Eagles.com streaming the reporters that are going to mm-hmm. be there is what it would would shake out to be. And. Uh, uh, I thought Jody was going to jump in there, but now I'll shift gears less. Uh, Deshaun Watson, a lot of information coming out of Houston yesterday. There was a uh, hearing uh, with Rusty Harden. Uh, Things seem to be growing a little bit closer uh, to an end game. Uh, Criminal probe still ongoing. Civil depositions were scheduled uh, to go on. Houston seems to be wanting this to happen before the start of the new league year, certainly by the draft. We we all saw the press conference, and you and I were both involved, and, and Howie and Nick Sirianni were very emphatic, saying Jalen Hurts is our guy. As I always like to say, though, Les, they're not under oath in these press conferences. Uh, they're going to investigate every avenue possible and the quarterback carousel is going to be historic. That's just one name, Deshaun Watson. How many yes. names do you think the Eagles would be willing to at least consider going in a di- different direction than Jalen Hurts? Well, it, it kind of – the other end of the equation is who can they get? I mean, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is coming here for any, yeah. you know. This isn't a situation where Aaron Rodgers comes in and you win the Super Bowl. You know, uh, I don't think Tom Brady is going to, you know, reconsider his retirement for a gig with the Eagles. Uh, you know, you're talking about Deshaun Watson. You're talking about uh, Russell Wilson. You're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, who would not be any sort of upgrade whatsoever from Jalen Hurts. I don't think. He's basically the same guy. Um, you know, a little different style, but the end result is pretty much the same with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I, I do think they are poised to go forward with Jalen Hurts, assuming that Russell Wilson isn't available at a reasonable price, and a reasonable price would be far less than all three number one picks or something like that, you know. Um Deshaun Watson, I've been a real skeptic of that all along. I just can't imagine, given Jeffrey Lurie's public persona and the way the things he says about his organization and the the way they try to portray themselves in the community, that this would be a direction he'd want to go in unless there was some real come-to-Jesus, you know, reckoning from Deshaun Watson, you know, where he tearfully promises to, you know, spend all of his money, you know, on women's charities and, and, you know, that he's uh, gone to sex rehab or something, you know. I mean, there'd have to be some sort of real, uh, it had to be. Well, well, let me jump in less, you know, in, in, in recent history, at least, Jeffrey has shown, you know, 
that he will give people second chances, whether it's Michael Vick. Second chances once they've repented and, in Michael Vick's uh, case, served 18 months yeah. in prison. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's a little different. <laughs> yeah. I that, think, anyway. That, that is very wrong, true. All right. right. Let's, uh, we haven't had you on since the Super Bowl. If you had uh, your buddy and ours, Paul Domwich's duty, which was to uh, cast votes in Hall of Fame meetings uh, and represent Philadelphia, um, how would you look at the quarterback of the Los Angeles? Somehow, some way, some people have become of the opinion. <laughs> Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl. Oh, that makes him a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. I didn't know that was the way that it worked. I thought the whole conversation was ridiculous. How do you like Matthew Stafford's Hall of Fame credentials? Yeah, he's not there yet. I mean, the, the stats from this era are so inflated uh, in relation to even quarterbacks 20 years ago, let alone 30 or 40 years ago. You can certainly make a statistical case, but we all know the Hall of Fame is for the players who dominated their era at their position, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I look for in a Hall of Famer. Matthew Stafford has not dominated the quarterback position. Now, if he has three or four more really good years and wins another Super Bowl or something, yeah, okay, you know, then he's at least Ben Roethlisberger or something like that, you know. Um, but right now, no. But he's not going to retire right now. I, I do think, you know, I would not shut the door. Oh, on didn't, he, being didn't he say Hall he was going to retire? Oh, no, that was Aaron Donald. And the 36-year-old no, coach, yeah. Matthew yeah. Stafford, who's actually old in uh, comparison to his teammates and basically his coach, he's right. going to continue to play. Yeah, you got it. You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I, I got Matthew Stafford confused no, no, with several of his teammates. But, uh, but I, I think the Super Bowl now has become such a big deal. You know, every coach that wins is a genius. Yeah. Uh, every GM that wins, everybody's got to try to you know, emulate his way of doing it. Good luck to anybody trying to emulate the Rams <laughs> process for building a Super Bowl winner. But, uh, you know, it's it's just the way our culture is right now. But no, Nath right at the moment, Matthew Stafford has no shot at the Hall of Fame. If he had to, if he were to retire today, uh, he would not get in. Well, Les, that you, you bring me down the path I wanted to take you, uh, and that is the Super Bowl. And two teams that built their teams pretty much in opposite directions. And you mentioned the Rams and Les Needs out there celebrating with a T-shirt that says F draft picks. And the Cincinnati Bengals, I think people forget, they were at two wins. Then they were 4-11-1 when the Eagles were 4-11-1 because they tied with the Eagles. They were exactly in yeah. the same spot. And all of a sudden, they're in the Super Bowl because they got it right at the top of the draft with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and they made some targeted, solid free agent signings. Yes. When you look at how those two teams were built from an Eagles tent, an Eagles viewpoint, can you copy, can you play copycat with either of them? Obviously, you don't think so with the Rams. You know, I don't think so either way. I mean, you don't have Joe Burrow, and there's no, from what we all see and read, there's no Joe Burrow to be had in this year's draft. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Rams thing, you know, getting a whole bunch of 
superstars to come here because other superstars are here and you're bloating up and you know I that just that situation doesn't exist and you're not really you're looking to get younger I mean you're not looking to go in that direction at all so no I don't see either one of those teams as a good template for the Eagles but I think one of the Eagles problems frankly throughout the Jeffrey Lurie reign is that they do that. They look at the teams that win and say, oh, we've got to do this. Oh, we've got to do that. We've got to get faster. We've got to get bigger. You know, I mean, figure out your own. You know, what teams like the Steelers and Ravens and, of course, Patriots do is they follow their own path. They don't, like, maybe if somebody's doing something really innovative, they take a look at it and see how they can adapt it to what they're doing, but they don't change their whole philosophy every time somebody wins a Super Bowl. And I kind of feel like in the past, the Eagles have been that bunch of guys. You know, when Lurie bought the team, he was all about Bill Walsh. He went out to study Bill Walsh, you know, and and try to build something, you know, like Bill Walsh. And then it was the Packers. The Packers had a great team, so let's hire Andy Reid and let's, you know, and that worked out well, but it's it, they're always trying to be somebody else or another version of somebody else. I would really like them to build a an Eagles way of doing things, an Eagles style of play, an Eagles philosophy, and I've never really quite seen that. Maybe you disagree, but I, I don't think I, I know what that is. Uh, well, I think Andy kind of established it, even though he came from somewhere else. He was here long enough to establish it and i think that that has been a way of things over the last now we're over 20 years so i i i think you can uh label the eagle way uh somewhat uh, derived from andy reed all right les i do have a specific question for you doing prep for the show like i always do check in with all the top writers who cover the eagles and i was reading this one guy i think it was on phillyvoice.com who said the Eagles need to be careful about drafting wide receivers because the results are in and it's not good uh, when they do draft wide receivers. True. High in the draft, the results have not come back as desired. And I understand that point of view. However, someone brighter than me once said, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Right. Are the Eagles going to try again? And if so, what is the highest you would do? I know it's dependent on what they can do in free agency as far as the wide receiver position goes. And they'll have their chance to do that before the draft ever rolls around. So this is kind of an unfair question because we assume one will be added into the wide receiver mix before the draft ever rolls around. But uh, judging by what you think they can get done or will get done, acquiring another free agent talented wide receiver, how high would you be willing to go if you were the Eagles in adding another wide receiver to the mix? Well, I'm with three first-round picks. I mean, they probably trade one for something, maybe even a first-rounder next year. Three first-round picks. You don't want to get too specific. You want to see what's there when you're drafting, you know, and what's available if you trade up a couple spots. I mean, it's all contingent. I wouldn't lock myself into a lot of things, but they need defense. I mean. I would make sure there are going to be a lot of good veteran wide receivers in free agency. I would go that route because your wide receiving core is going to be too young. If you depend on, you know, you got uh, Devonte Smith, Quez Watkins, and now a rookie that you've taken high. 
that's not a that's not an ideal mix to me. Right, but uh, but let me at least hop in. But I would if rather, that if that group is too young, then what the hell did they go to war with this year? Because all those guys are one oh, year old going into next the year. Well, they were too young. That was a yeah. big problem for them yeah. that their that their wide receivers were young and their quarterback was young. You know, I would want a veteran, a really good veteran receiver on that group. I think that's a huge priority this offseason. I think they can sign one, and I think that would solve a lot of their problems. I would not – I mean, if if a great receiver fell in my lap at, at one of those draft slots, uh, you know, take him. But uh, I, I would be looking at defense, defense, and defense ideally if – you know, if the defensive chips lined up that way, and if I ended up having three first-round picks, I'd love to have a linebacker, a safety, an edge rusher, or a linebacker, a corner, and an edge rusher. You know, those are the things that I, in the draft, that I'd be really most concerned about. I hear people talking about, oh, they should draft a center because Kelsey might retire someday. Geez, Louise, they've got Landon Dickerson, they've got Nate Herbig, they got Isaac Suhamalo. How many centers do you need i mean i i would not you know there's a really good center in the draft which is why everybody says this no 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 you know i mean defense 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 is my plan for their draft i don't know if that's their plan or not uh well let's talk about their plan from a coaching perspective less because for the first time in a long time we're talking about continuity on the coaching staff. I think people forget after they won the Super Bowl, you lose Frank Reich, you lose John DiFilippo. And then all of a sudden Jeffrey got in this sort of mode where he would need a scapegoat after the yeah. season, whether it was really? a position coach or or moving on from Mike Rowe after Doug mm-hmm. Peterson said everybody would be back. We had this cycle of scapegoating after the end of the season. Then you make the entire coaching change. And here we are in year two. Jonathan Gannon didn't get the job in Houston. Um, there was some talk about Kevin Petullo and Brian Johnson getting promotions elsewhere. That didn't manifest itself. So pretty much the entire coaching staff is going to be back for year two. What do you think that continuity means for this team and in this organization? It will be interesting to see, Jody. I thought those guys did a pretty good job as as a young, kind of inexperienced staff. Uh, you know, as the season went on, they really seemed to get a pretty good grasp of their personnel. And, uh, you know, this is something, even though Doug Peterson is gone now, this is something that kind of led to his demise. He felt very strongly about uh, what you were talking about, about continuity in the coaching staff. And when they were like, what do you mean you want to make Matt Burke the defensive coordinator now that (laughs) Schwartz is gone? You know, they felt he was being unimaginative or uncreative. He felt like he was giving the players something they needed, a familiar face and a familiar way of doing things and not changing everything for them. And that was a that's kind of that's something that hadn't been talked about a lot. But it was a big part of Doug's demise is that this that sort of disconnect there between let's find something new and different which is always jeffrey's uh you know what i was talking about earlier and let's have some continuity and i think continuity is a really good thing uh they jalen hurts has had 
so many different voices in his ears yeah. over the years with his college career at two different schools and and then with the, what's happened with the Eagles. Uh, you know, I, I can't see any downside to that whatsoever. And continuity is a good thing. However, here's something that the Eagles coaching staff doesn't have continuity in, and that's going to the Combine. Because, of course, there was no Combine last year, and it was the right. first year of the Eagles coaching staff. Are they at a disadvantage as compared to other teams, certainly in the league, but most specifically within their division, um, because they've never done the Combine thing before from a coaching staff standpoint? I don't think so. They've all done it on other staffs. I don't think it's any different, you know, if you're wearing a green uh, windbreaker rather than a Colts blue windbreaker or something. Um, I don't think the combine is that important other than the medicals. The most important thing that happens at the combine, and I wrote stories about this from time to time over the years, is they get to MRI people on their own and look at a guy's knee or look at a guy's shoulder and, uh, you know, make their own determinations. And the determinations are, you know, they're not made public, so the fans don't really get a lot of this. But Team Doctor will tell you, Jay Ajay, you're thinking of drafting him in the second round. No, 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 no. That knee isn't going to last yeah. more than three or four years. You know, fourth round. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens at the Combine. And yep. that's all those drills. Most of these guys, you've got 30 or 40 games worth of film on them. You don't need to see them you know, run a 40. I mean, if, if they look like they, you know, gain 70 pounds or something, that's, that's a problem. But uh, these drills are more and more for the fans watching. You know, I don't think the teams take a lot out of that at all. In fact, it can be dangerous because your coaches sometimes are seeing these guys for the first time and they get enamored of someone, you know, and the scouts are like, yeah, he did that drill really well, but he didn't show up in half the games they played last year. And the coach is like, Oh, I, yeah, I, I can see this young man. He was great in our interview. You know, that has happened to the Eagles before, by the way, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, so uh, the combine, I, I think the coaching staff will be fine. Uh, you know, I don't think it's any sort of problem that they haven't done this as a group together. Yeah, Les, you bring up, uh, and last one for me, you bring up the medicals and how important they are. You, you still hear that narrative today. Well, the Eagles missed out on DK Metcalf and they selected J.J. Right. Ortega-Whiteside. Well, one of the reasons why is because they had a medical red flag on DK Metcalf. And a lot of teams did. They turned yeah. out to be exactly wrong, but it's not exact. Yeah. It's not a critical no. ball. It's just, you know, most people with this condition have this problem. You know, it's not a guarantee. And, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of stories like that from the Combine. If you see a guy that's a good player that doesn't get drafted, that's often what's yeah. going on. You know? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes those guys make careers for themselves and sometimes they don't, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, you're playing uh, the odds and, 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 right. you know, as you mentioned, typically, uh, someone with those kinds of issues and that's, that's the game you play. But I, I, I bring that up because, you know, Harry Roseman, we kind of started there, uh, gets blamed for things like that could be a medical issue. Um, it could be different. They could completely misevaluate but one thing you see around the nfl 
is the Eagles, you have to give them credit. They're well-respected in the front office. And you see it with guys like Ian Cunningham uh, yeah. moving to Chicago, Brandon Brown getting the job with the Giants. Um, why do you think the Eagles are so well-respected around the NFL when it comes to front office work? Uh, stable ownership helps. Lurie has owned the team close to 30 years now, which I believe is the longest ownership they've ever had under one and certainly the most stable, you know, he's not in debt to gamblers like Leonard Toast was. And he's not, uh, you know, he, he's, he's not like Norman Brayman and giving away Reggie White because he doesn't want to pay him. And, you know, so they have stable ownership. They have stable management. Howie's been there since about 2000, even though he wasn't the GM. Um, and I think they do things in a logical and... You know, they, they, they do pay attention to analytics. They do pay attention to culture. They do uh, try to hire bright young minds. Uh, they're not stuck in, you know, some, you know, bygone era mindset, although I faulted them a minute ago for maybe being a little too reactive. You can't say that they're stuck in the past in any way. <laughs> I mean, they're always looking to the future, um, and they've been proactive about, promoting women and, and minority people. Um, you know, I, I think they run a pretty, I think they spend a lot of money, you know, on their whole operation, scouting, front office, the whole thing. You know, they, they're they right at the top of the league on stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I think uh, people notice. And uh, it's, uh, it's a good thing to have, uh, you know, the, the irony of that is, there's still a feeling that Howie needs that sort of person around him <laughs> to be successful, uh, you know, and uh, he's lost a couple of those people this year. And we'll see, you know, how, what kind of impact that has. Um, but it is a, a feather in the organization's cap that they are considered a place you go to, you know, look for bright, young, bright, young minds. Last, last thing for me is do you have Mike Mayock's cell number. I want to call I him do. and yeah. see if you do. Yeah, do me a favor. Drop that by me. I want to call him and see if the Eagles have reached out to Mike Mayock because they did lose some of their future GMs this yes. offseason. And I've always thought Mayock was one of the best guys dealing with the draft. be a nice time to put a call on the mic if I were Jeff. Now, I'm not Jeff Lloyd. So I just want to uh, drop Mayock a, 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 a text and see if you – I don't think you've got to answer me, but sure. might as well take the shot. See if he'll come on Birds 365. Love that Mike Mayock on, even though he's out there on the West Coast these days, so he'd have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, stop on with us. We can only ask, right? Uh, when we ask, we are always grateful that Les Bowen said yes. Les, thanks for hopping aboard today. We'll get you on when free agency kicks off. That'd be great. Good to talk to you guys. Our pleasure. That's thanks, Les. Les Bowen here with us on Birds 365. I'll do anything to get my hands on Mike Mayock's cell number. Uh, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, coming back to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Wrapping up a Tuesday edition of Birds 365. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac here with you. Gotta love that Les Bowen. Before we got out of break, he sent me Mike Mayock's cell phone number. Uh, so when he says he's gonna do something, he does something. That's why we love having a Les son. And I had tongue firmly implanted in cheek. I didn't really think he was gonna send it to me, but he did because he's that kind of guy. All right, uh, Johnny Mac, I'm gonna put you to the test here. I did with Les kind of pimping you by talking about Eagles and drafting wide receivers. Uh, let, let's tighten the hypothetical a little bit. Let's say the Eagles get a veteran wide receiver in free agency prior to the draft. It's not uh, Devontae Adams, okay? It's not even Mike Williams. Uh, pick one if you so desire. I'll throw out Christian Kirk's name, who's a good wide receiver in the league, uh, quasi-veteran guy, has established himself, isn't a rookie that the Eagles will be getting their hands on. A good, solid, above-average receiver via free agency. Not the top-tier, best free agent, but also not bargain-basement free agent either. If you want to substitute in another name other than Christian Kirk, feel free. But you know the type of player I'm referring to. If they get that kind of person signed via free agency before the draft, when is the highest you would draft a wide receiver if you Howie Roseman this year? I'm I'm probably not going to go until day three because I as I kind of said if you get one of those guys and it could be uh, as you mentioned Christian Kirk I think Mike Williams is a little bit too 
expensive to high pro and he might not even get to the market. Um, um, Michael Gallup because of the injury might be in the conversation. Um, some of the guys, uh, some of the guys like that. Did I mention DJ Chark? I think I did. Uh, Cedric Wilson um, is another uh, maybe lesser slot. Right. Type they, they get someone like that. You're then still I, not then taking I, a wide receiver. No, because then I think you have, and that's what I kind of wrote about, you have the best of both worlds. You still have Devontae Smith as a young, <clears throat> evolving player, and you continue to build him up. And Quez Watkins, continue to build him up in a better role for him, a more suited role. He's not the wide, He's not a second wide receiver. But all of a sudden, if he gets kicked down to three or four, that's yeah, pretty good. And 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 that's the situation. Hopefully, you would have. And remember, it's all interconnected with Dallas Goddard as well. Dallas Goddard's really good. So if you could give me Devonte Smith, Dallas Goddard, say DJ Chark, Quez Watkins, I think that's good enough. I think that's good enough. You'd like to have a little bit more depth. Then you get into Jalen Rager, reclamation progress. Where are we going to be with JJ? Yeah, I probably pulled the plug there, uh, but that's okay. I think that one little, and I mentioned it on the defensive side of the ball as well with the edge rusher. You get that one edge rusher, I think you're in a much better position. I think all the pieces fall into place. Same thing a wide receiver. You get that one veteran presence who's legitimately a good player to pair with Devontae Smith. I think the rest of it falls into place. And that's why I say the Eagles aren't as far away as people think. Yeah, but you compare Ed, edge rusher and wide receiver there. You uh, agree with me that veteran, free agent, wide receiver, first-round draft pick. First-round draft pick. Uh, yeah. As far edge as rusher. edge goes. Yeah. They're, 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 they're yeah. similar in that if you can get a key piece, it yeah. can have a domino effect on the rest of the group. But that piece is different in that wide receiver, you'd prefer veteran. Edge rusher, you'd prefer uh, rookie, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's it's similar to Cincinnati and how they built. Like, it, Yeah, they had Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, the draft picks. But they also got Trey Hendrickson on the free agent market uh, uh, who really, you know, I think had 14 and a half sacks. So it, it complements each other for the Eagles. Yeah, I want draft for the edge rusher. I want uh, I want veteran for the wide receiver because they've just struck out too many times. And people say, yeah, okay, Devontae Smith. Well, Devontae's a great player. I think you and I agree with that. If they hit with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, they wouldn't have needed to try with Jalen Rager. If they hit with Jalen Rager, they wouldn't have needed to go again to Devontae Smith. And who knows? Maybe Justin Fields is here. Maybe Micah Parsons is here. I don't know. I don't know how it would – probably not Micah Parsons uh, because they weren't going to take a linebacker. But Micah Parsons has proven he's more than a linebacker. He's a great edge rusher. Um, All these things – intermix but that's how i would go about it for the eagles and as far as wide receiver goes i got to give credit to our buddy carlos Dewier on the uh on the stream he uh reminded me something that i squawked about all late in the season added eagle wide receiver how about kenneth gainwell 
They, they've got all offseason to teach Kenneth Gainwell to play out of the slot. How about they start working on that? Where's Nick Sirianni, Mr. Wide Receiver Coach? Third down. You don't want to have to do that because you want a good receiver. You don't want to teach somebody from scratch. Kenny Gainwell is fine as the third down back. That's what he should be. That doesn't when, mean you can't the, use when him. When the Eagles have two wide receivers yeah. on IR next year, yeah. JM, and I go, uh, and they didn't get Kenny Gainwell up to speed yeah. in the slot during the offseason, I'm going to remind you that we had this conversation right. on this All thing. Right. I'm sure you will. I'm sure yes, you I will. Yes, I will. And we're going to have a conversation again tomorrow. Mr. McMullen, I will see you in 22 hours, will I not? Yes, you will. Sheil Kapadia tomorrow on the right, show from the right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.